what's up everyone? I'm Craig Mackwitz. Welcome to the first ever episode of Explode View, the podcast where we dive into a specific topic about design and learn a ton about that topic from an expert. Since this is the first episode, I thought the best place to start would be to discuss the place most of us started, design education. I think as designers, we always ask each other the question, how did you get into design? Most have a story about a chance encounter with a designer or an article buried in a magazine. I personally stumbled across an article about automotive design online and never looked back. But for many, this dream can be out of reach in more ways than one. Lack of knowledge that design even exists is a big one, but furthermore, cost, lack of mentorship opportunities, and access to financial aid can all be barriers. Acknowledging these barriers is critical for us to overcome them. So today, I thought we'd take a look at the important topic of diversity in design education for ExplodeView. What are the challenges with the existing system, and how might we improve diversity in design education? Who better to talk to than someone on the front lines of starting a new way for industrial designers to learn their craft? Sharice Thornhill. Sharice went to the College of Creative Studies in Detroit and went on to Nike and Jordan Brand, where she was a footwear designer for almost 10 years. Seeing firsthand the lack of opportunities for minorities and diversity in the workplace, Sharice joined an amazing team who had a vision for a new way to educate. At Adidas, Sharice is the design director of an education program for aspiring footwear designers called Seed. We'll learn how Seed is completely changing the way we think about design education. We will also learn a bit more about magnet school programs. I'm excited to learn more, so let's jump in. Sharice Thornhill, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you graduated in 2007 from CCS, is that correct? Yes, 2007. I graduated in 2008, so you were a year ahead of me. And I have this funny story. I always looked up to your work and uh, I was in a computer lab and saw that you were working and I wanted to show you a project I was working on. It was uh, to brand some shoes. And so it's embarrassing for me because I showed you the shoes and they were Tropicana orange shoes and it was they were, they were bad, but you were awesome. You gave me some really incredible feedback. So I super appreciate that. Um, you were an educator from the beginning. I can tell that. That's great. That's great. And then at, at 14, so it's incredible that you wrote this. I read, I hope to bring to the art world a new sense of freedom and exploration, infecting a new take charge, risk taken theory inspiring the world to get in touch with the creative side and let it take charge. I can't believe at 14, you wrote that. Can you just talk a little bit about where that came from? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I listen to that statement now, or I go back and read it often and I still don't know how I even had that, that state of consciousness at that age. Um, I just really think back and I, I attribute it to my family and um, my family moved to the U.S. from Trinidad in the 70s. And it was always with the idea of creating um, better opportunities for the generations to come. And I was just always aware of the fact that the world, you know, was, was in a particular state and that I had the power to affect change and that we all have the power to affect change and, and make, make the world a better place and really to help other people make the world a better place. And so that was just always something I was really interested in. And I wanted to see how far my creativity could take me. That's so cool. At 14, I was definitely not thinking on this level. So that was incredible. <laughs> As a kid, were you always interested in design? And, and how did that come to be? Uh, you know, How did you understand that was a potential path for you? 
I wasn't aware of design. I mean, honestly, growing up as a kid, I just always loved, you know, the typical things that, that kids love to do, you know, like coloring books and arts and crafts. I used to make lanyards and sell them to my family members or, you know, painting, you know, my, my, my uncle's like really young pictures of them with afros. And, and you know, I just always into, <laughs> into drawing and painting and everything artistic. And I think maybe what kind of helped me get onto the design path is my love for sports. I mean, I, I played basketball growing up and I remember the first time I even became aware of a Nike basketball shoe it was probably like in the first grade and, you know, in elementary school. And I saw the Jordan 10 um, silhouette, which was, you know, pretty much all white, but it had this, these stripes, these black and gray stripes that went up the tongue and, and the youth yeah. of the shoe. And that was the first shoe I can ever remember looking down and being really intrigued by, um, you know, mm-hmm. in, in first grade. And at that point, I just thought I started looking down at everyone's feet and just became enamored with, with mm-hmm. sneakers and, and also because of my love for basketball and what was happening, you know, in Jordan and the brand at that time. It was just something I kind of fell in love with, but I never knew that design was actually a thing. You know, it wasn't yeah. until um, I, got, I got exposed to my high school later on that I realized that I could have a career. But, you know, even in junior high, I was just drawing shoes. I used to subscribe to East Bay Magazine, you know, the catalogs that were free and I would yeah. get them in the mail every month. And I would sit in class and draw in my in my sketchbooks or my notebooks, all the East Bay, sho- all the magazines or all the shoes I saw in East Bay. And, oh, that's a cool exercise. Yeah. And I had swooshes over like, all my my notebooks and even on my arms. So I would draw like on my, on my arms or with my <laughs> friends. I just draw swooshes on everyone. Um, you know, I just had such a love for the for the brand and and the product, you know, it's just really inspiring. So yeah, this is this has been a part of you for quite some time then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't until I got my first pair of Nikes when I was in the sixth grade. I bugged my mom for um, the longest and it was actually Dennis Rodman's Indestructs. And, you know, I held on to those canvas shoes for very long. Um, And so I got my second pair of Nikes, which were um, the up-tempos, the ones that had the big air on the side. And um, so later on, actually meet Wilson Smith, who was the designer of that shoe. And he's actually the first black designer at Nike. It just was amazing to to connect those dots, you know, to, to a product that I love so much. So. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. Your interests and your passions kind of playing out into your career. It's just fascinating. Yeah. That's so cool. So I want to talk about, I want to jump right into the Explode View topic, which is really about uh, diversity and design education. But I want to first start with your um, magnet school education. Because I think this was really interesting and something I actually didn't know much about uh, magnet schools. I'd heard of them. But mm-hmm. um, for those who are new to it, what is a magnet school? It's really interesting, the terminology, if we talk about, you know, what a magnet actually is, and and it's a conducting force um, to propel, you know, something or someone into a particular direction. And, you know, magnet schools, the way they're set up in in South Florida, they are public schools and they're open to everyone. And one, one school feeds into another school, feeds into another school. So you're really fortunate if you're able to get into a magnet program at the, the elementary level because there's a path already laid out for you if you choose to stay to stay in the program. And magnet um, programs are for visual arts, performing arts, music, you know, all of the, the arts 
And, you know, in the early years in, in my um, elementary school, I was had an affinity for art and I had really great art teachers who really worked with me and, you know, mentioned to my mom when I was in elementary school that, hey, this was this was something that I was really good at and, and could really help set a path for me. But I would have had to leave my my elementary school, which I was a part of, and go to another mm-hmm. school to be able to get on track. And at the time, you know, my, my elementary school was right across the street from my house. It just wasn't convenient to switch schools and be bused so far away. Yeah. And so it didn't happen for me in elementary school. But the junior high that was in my neighborhood actually had a magnet program as part of the school. And but when I, I moved into that junior high because I wasn't already a part of the magnet program, it was very mm-hmm. difficult to get into it at a later age. And I had a really great art teacher in sixth grade who, again, noticed, you know, I had a, an affinity for art um, and he really worked with me and helped me develop to try to audition for the magnet program in, in my seventh grade year. So he worked with me, oh, wow. I auditioned. I didn't get in my seventh grade year. So I ended up being a part of his art program for another year. We worked on it again, you know, contour line drawing, still lights, shading, you know, all of those those basic skills that you needed to really learn and master in order to move into the magnet program because it was all about performing at a higher level. And he worked with me throughout my seventh grade year. And then I auditioned and I actually made it in my eighth grade year. I always think of him, Mr. Johnston, and that year as the fork in the road for me. Because if I hadn't, if I hadn't have gotten into the magnet program in my eighth grade year and had an opportunity to develop my portfolio, it wouldn't have prepared me to get into the other magnet school magnet program at a high school level, which I again had to audition for. So that was really the fork in the road. Like if I, if he didn't work with me, I would have gone to my home school, which didn't have any art programs. And it was pretty much you know what those a lot of those schools are. They're just kind of pushing you through the system and out yeah. to wherever you're going to go. So, you know, I really, I think back about, I think of Mr. Johnson oft, often and, and think about, you know, he how he actually changed the trajectory of my life moving forward. Um, yeah, and, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, um, but just not a lot of people know about magnet schools and magnet programs or, you know, even how to get your kid into one of those programs if they're really great in a particular area. So again, it's just about access, right? Access to information. Um, and it really takes parents like really be, being involved in their kids' lives and and really doing the research into schooling and, and the programs that are available to try to, you know, set the, their kids up for success in that way. So coming out of out of the program, the magnet program in my eighth grade year, there were a few schools I can choose from. So there was New World School of Arts, which was top of the top, very elite art school. There was Michael Crop Senior High, which was another traditional high school, but they had a magnet program within. And then the other school was Northwestern, um, you know, high school, which wasn't in the best neighborhood, but again, you know, had a great football team and very much focused on sports. And they had a magnet program again within the school. And then, you know, last but not least, there was Dash, so Design and Architecture Senior High, which was again a, a total magnet school and only had 500 kids enrolled in the entire school. That school focused on industrial design, fashion design, architecture, graphics, and film. And so I had an opportunity to audition for all four schools. I got into three out of the four. And uh, wow. Dash, yeah, Dash was a school that I just, I fell in love with. It was it was located in the design district of, of Miami. So, you know, 
about, I don't know, 45 minute drive from from my house, which meant that I had to wake up at 4 a.m. to get on the school oh my bus. Gosh. Yeah, to get on the school bus <laughs> at 5.30, which bused me from my home to the train. I took the train <laughs> to wow. another stop and then took another school bus to get to Dash for um, 7.30 um, when school started. And then That's that incredible. same route, yeah, take the same route back home in the afternoon. We had our, our common core classes, you know, math, um, English, history, the common core that you had to, you know, really take at any other school. But we also had our major tacked onto that. And so that meant that my day was going to be longer than, you know, any other traditional school where, you know, high schools, they, they would start at 730 and you'd be released at, you know, 230. But we were actually released at 340. So we had a longer day. And then, you know, to take the same route back home. But I knew it was worth it because I was going to be exposed to industrial design, which I, I learned, you know, footwear design was part of that. Designing furniture or cell phones or, you know, workout equipment. It, it, it was just so vast um, and really exciting. And I, I fell in love with, with the, the discipline um, in high school. That's so cool. And, and Dash, I mean, just going back to, Dash, I was looking at some of the rates. It's rated as top 1% Florida for high schools. Reading is top 1%, math top 5%. So it's an incredible school on top of getting that education. It's, um, it's almost the dream spot. Absolutely. It comes with a lot of sacrifice too. I mean, I remember being on the train and watching the sun come up every morning and, and asking myself, why am I here? Why am I doing this? And will this ever <laughs> Will it ever pay off? Because you really don't know. I mean, especially as a kid, you don't know where your life's going to lead you. And you, all you know is that you're making sacrifices, you know, at a really young age. And it's hard and it's difficult. Um, but I always just think to myself that, hey, this is going to pay off one day. And you'll be very happy that you you made this sacrifice. Um, parents who are interested in the magnet school programs, what would be a recommendation for them um, in not only picking a magnet school, but just looking into it and researching a magnet school. I would say, you know, starting off with your, with your son or your daughter and really paying attention to the things that bring them joy. I think sometimes parents can have visions for their kids that, you know, are maybe outside of the scope of what their kid actually really wants to do. Um, maybe just paying attention to what they do for fun. I mean, I played a lot of video games growing up, but I also, you know, just sat and, and drew everything. Yeah. You know, I was always just making something, um, exploring, you know, coloring something. I, I just always, that was my favorite pastime. And I think that if if we can pay more attention to the, the things that give our kids energy, that isn't necessarily draining. Because I know that some there are some things that the kids do that they just really don't enjoy. And it really is a task for them to do. Mm-hmm. And that maybe isn't the direction to push them in. You know, drawing always, yeah, I had to work at it, but it it felt effortless sometimes and, and it was actually giving me energy and joy back. And so now, you know, I never feel like I'm working because I enjoy what I'm what I'm actually doing. And I think that's just that's the key. Um, but so paying attention to, you know, the affinity that your kid has for a particular area and then just doing a lot of research, you know, it always shocks me that. Dash has been around now for 30 years, but there's still so many people mm-hmm. in South Florida that have no idea that the school actually even exists. And, you know, the one year that I that I taught at the school, I think 
the senior class brought in $27 million in scholarship money. You know, so the top schools recruit there. They have a lot of money. They're giving full ride scholarships. So if, if you can get your kid into, you know, and, and especially for a public school, like this isn't even a private yeah. school where you have to pay, you know, this is a free education where the top schools in the country recruit there. I've had friends who have gone on to get full rides, you know, to go to Cornell University or Syracuse or um, FIT, Art Center, CCS, you know, CIA, all the top schools. And, and they're getting a lot of scholarship money, you know, to help them propel themselves and their careers forward. So I would say, so cool. yeah, do all the research possible um, and really investigate because those, those opportunities are out there. So if there's any parents out there, their kids love to draw take a look at magnet schools because apparently it's amazing. And I would have loved to go to one. That's so cool. I didn't even know they existed. So I want to jump into seed program. So you started an incredible school mm-hmm. alongside Adidas. And I want to just talk about that. Can you introduce us to seed? Sure. So seed is an acronym for school for experiential education and design. And Seed is everything I feel like my career has been um, building up to. I resigned from Nike in the summer of 2016. And, you know, I'd hit a point in my career where I'd done everything that I wanted to do at the brand. And I couldn't necessarily see a way forward for myself. I knew that I wanted to make a difference. I knew that I wanted to mentor. I wanted to help open doors for you know, people who looked like me, who came from, you know, my city, my town, my neighborhood. And I just wanted to, to have more influence. I think I got to a point where I was, I was creating product and it was fun, but it, it lacked purpose for me. And mm. I had to remove myself, you know, from that environment, and, you know, drove back across the country to South Florida. And I started teaching at my old high school. So I taught at Dash for a year. I was also teaching at the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale. I was teaching design at both places. And, um, you know, I learned a lot about kids or about high school students. And I was able to kind of remember who I was at that time. But I knew that there were, you know, systemic issues, you know, facing a lot of the students um, back home. And this could be said about, you know, other kids in, in other cities, but, I I met really great and talented students that just couldn't afford to um, go off to a four-year art college, you know, or institution as the prices of college have skyrocketed. And, you know, like when we were at CCS, I think our education is maybe $24,000 a year. And that's like, you know, that sense doubled. So, you know, imagine, you know, being, you know, spending, $300,000 for four years of an education. Um, You know, it's just, it's really out of reach for a lot of, a lot of kids and a lot of families. And, you know, we can talk through, you know, those barriers at every level, but when we, we look at the professional environment and we look at our industry and we can look and we can see that, you know, black women make up less than 0.5% of the fuller designers in our industry. We have to start to, peel the layers back and start asking ourselves these questions. Well, why, you know, why, why is the industry um, set up this way? Why does it look this way? And, you know, I came kind of came full circle where a few designers that I worked with at 
Nike had since moved over into um, Adidas and, you know, they were working on creating this school along with really amazing team of talent acquisition members. And they're the ones that really decided to use their influence and use their positioning within the brand to create, you know, this amazing concept of a school. And then they worked alongside, you know, one of my other great mentors who I mentioned before, Dwayne Edwards, and to craft this idea of this program that would be a two-year program that will be a direct pipeline into our industry and into the brand. And I found out about this program about a year ago. And I knew that I could not let it pass me by and not be a part of it. And so initially yeah. I signed up to be a board member. And, you know, by the, by the end of the year, <laughs> you know, there was an opportunity to come in and lead the school from a design standpoint. And I knew at that moment, you know, and when I moved back to, to Miami, I said to myself, I'm never leaving. <laughs> I you know, managed to um, create a life where I had my family, the sunshine, the palm trees, the ocean. At that point, I started um, doing some design work. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I started doing some design work at Champion as they started to um, relaunch the brand and do footwear. But, you know, this program, it as soon as I heard about it, it was it was everything um, that I wish I would have had um, earlier on in my career. And I knew that it had the potential to really not only shift the industry, but change lives. And I, right. could, I had to drop everything and move to Brooklyn, New York. So that's where I am now. Um, but the mission is really just to create more access, you know, access to our industry and education. Um, and we're, we're really flipping the educational model on its head where, you know, a lot of the, pro- the projects you would do in, in college, it's really blue sky thinking, which I think is great, but also can hinder development because I feel like the best designs come from constraint. And when you're creating these ethereal projects that aren't real, there's no constraints to it and you're not able to develop as fast. So, you know, within our program, we're actually creating product that we will take to the marketplace. And so the learnings that our that our students are our interns are able to garner from that process, it makes it more real. And I think it compresses, you know, the amount of time it's going to take for them to learn certain skills by having it to work within real business constraints and confines to bring products to life. Yeah, it's such a great mission. And it's so much more exciting to know that a product could go out into market and what you're creating. Absolutely. And, and also it makes the product more, um, more relevant and inclusive, you know, and, and when we talk about, you know, consumers or who's, who's being targeted or who, you know, brands envision wearing their product, you know, most times it's people of color, you know, who are driving the trends and who are validating a lot of the products in the marketplace and making them, you know, so to speak, hot, <laughs> hot products. Yeah. Um, but when you peel back the layers and you look at the people who are within the brands that are creating the product, most of the times, more times than likely, they're not reflective of, you know, the people who are the inspiration behind the product. So, you know, with our program, we're able to be more inclusive on the front end, therefore, you know, creating product that that resonates with that demographic a lot more. Right. One of the statements uh, about Seed you made was that you're rapidly trying to fix the industry's off balance when it comes to representation. So I'm just curious, can you talk about that and shed some light on um, what you mean by 
it being off balance and just kind of help us understand what that means. I think as I, I alluded to it a little bit before, but, you know, we can look at, at most any, you know, large footwear brand and we can look at the people who endorse the product and, you know, the ones that are really driving the conversations more times than not are African-American athletes. And we can look back and we can think about Michael Jordan. We can think about Michael Vick. We can think about Kobe Bryant. We can think about um, Serena Williams. You know, the list is really long, you know, of, of the athletes who have made it to the pinnacle of their sport and the cachet that comes along with them and, and the ways in which they're leveraged to sell products, you know, and then again, you can peel back the layers and you can look at the people who are inside of the brands, who are the creative directors, design directors, the, the actual designers, and there's a huge disparity there, you know, yeah. so it's very much off balance. The messaging behind that and the, the ways in which these things are communicated and what that says to to kids who are looking up to these athletes, you know, it, it paints a picture that the only way that you can be successful is if you're playing a sport or making music or being some type of entertainer. You know, those are the those are the the career paths that are really amplified, and those are the messages that that go out to Black and Brown communities. So it's important to be able to kind of peel back those layers and expose the fact that. You can be involved in design. You can be involved in sport, um, and you have another pathway. <laughs> yeah, you know. So it's really important for us to be able to, for one, create access to to these career paths, expose it to kids, and also expose it to parents because parents don't know where an art education can lead to. And there are so many right. avenues, you know, even within footwear design, it's not just, you know, the actual design of the pattern pieces. It's also the color, the way in which the shoes come to life via color. There's also materials design and development. There's engineering, um, there's sports marketing, there's, um, you know, sports science. There's so many facets um, that go into just producing footwear that just, just it's just not publicized and, and kids just don't know. Yeah. So. And, and I was looking at an article by Maurice Cherry, where are the black designers? And in there were some stats on the various art schools. And it was interesting to see these lower numbers at two, 4%, 10%. Um, and so it's really interesting to know that some of that too is black designers, not knowing that it even exists. So there's, there's an opportunity to go, to a design school or those who are interested in art. Right. Um, can you talk about that a bit too? Well, that's one thing which we're really working on with our program. And then, you know, my mentor, I was just mentioning Dwayne Edwards. He has a school called Pencil Footwear Design Academy. And he's really focused on awareness. You know, he has a great program that's really an intensive program that's geared towards college students and then also um, second career designers. But he's finding that, you know, even the, the, the people that he's able to capture, there's just not enough diversity. And I think when you peel back that layer, you have to go down to the high school level and what's happening at the high school level and then even going further down into junior highs. And so he's looking for ways to create a high school footwear design program that can be, you know, something that. Um, can be tapped into. Maybe it's something that's virtual or maybe it's part of, of every program. Um, but I think it's just, again, creating more 
access um, to information and then being able to develop those tangible skills that's going to transfer into into that field because someone can have a desire to be a forward designer, but they have no idea where to even start. Right. And you know that you need a portfolio, but what does that even look like? How do yeah. you construct a portfolio? <laughs> what are the skills that you need? Um, right. And it's so much more than just being able to draw a cool looking shoe. There's so, and you, you and I know this, you know, having, uh, you know, gone through our, our industrial design careers at CCS, but it's so much about anthropology, understanding people. There's some science that's, that's a part of it. Problem solving abilities being able to to identify a problem that may not even be something that's glaring, but it's something that still needs to be solved. So there's so many skills that go into being able to create a great design um, that hits the marketplace and actually sells through. So there are a lot of skills there that I think, you know, really need to be developed at an earlier age. I think I was fortunate enough to have gotten into industrial design at the high school level. So that when I got to college, I'd already had the basic building blocks of the profession that I can build on when I got to college. And that, that was a huge leg up for me. And then, you know, my other seven classmates from Dash went on with me to CCS. Like we had a, we had a huge leg up when we, when we got into college because we'd gotten that education earlier and we had a longer runway um, to be able to build upon. Yeah, I remember students coming in from Dash and I was just blown away with the work that they were creating at a freshman level. I'm still trying to figure out how to draw a cube. Right. Um, and students are incredibly talented. Yes. And I think that's what goes goes back to what you said earlier about learning from your peers around you and what was For so sure. about that. And so I learned a lot from those students who had those talents and skills coming into the school. Right. So the acceptance into seed program, can you talk about that? Absolutely. So we're, we're really focused on removing barriers, right? So we know that our industry, there's a lot of barriers to, you know, that, that students have to fight through just to even get into our industry, much less getting into college. And, you know, so there are a lot of barriers. And so we were really focused on dismantling some of those barriers. So our requirements for the program at this point is really a high school diploma and grit and having a creative background or affinity, just being able to think like a creative Drawing skills are important, but not a must-have because that's something we will definitely um, develop in-house. So we're looking for someone who is a hard worker, you know, passion, who's very passionate about their career, you know, someone who's able to express and show empathy, which I think is just another essential building block of a great designer. You have to be able to empathize with people, empathize with your consumers um, to be able to pull those key insights from them to create a product that's really going to be beneficial. So yeah, yeah those are our, our minimum that's, requirements. <laughs> that's, that's excellent. So you're truly removing the barriers. For sure. So how many applicants do you get? Last year, I think we got maybe about 900 <laughs> applications. Wow. And we didn't necessarily do um, tons of marketing. We really wanted to keep it under the radar and, and really um, focus on grassroots mm-hmm. outreach just so that we can really access um, the demographic that we really want to focus on. And we knew that we wanted to focus on women because, again, you know, the percentages of, of women footwear designers in the athletic footwear industry, it's, it's shockingly low. 
So again, we knew that, okay, we're focusing on women um, and then we're focusing on women of color because we know that those numbers are embarrassingly low <laughs> in comparison to, you know, the, the people on the other side who are, are seen as consumers and who are our purchasers. So right. we knew that we had to shift the way in which recruiting is usually done. So I think we had about 900 um, applications through our networks. And then, you know, I have a great counterpart, Liz Conley, who is an amazing human being and, and did you know, a lot of the work of filtering, meeting with a lot of these applicants one-on-one or having phone conversations. And she did a lot of the work to um, identify the people who would be great for the program. And then we we got down to from 900 to 150 to 20, we did a two-day camp, uh, which I was a part of with, you know, our other board members and leaders. And we put the, the 20 designers through a few design sprints, and we also gave them a project that they had to complete, um, you know, in a few hours. <laughs> and the following day, we were able to regroup. They presented their ideas to us, and we were able to sit back and identify how well do they take, you know, feedback and critique? Are they teachable? Did they take the feedback and actually implement it or did they dismiss it? So we were looking for, you mm. know, those other, in, you know, intangible things that would just make anyone a great teammate if you're looking for someone to add to your team. And, you know, we landed on on six amazing women between the ages of, at the time, 19 and 24. And one of which was actually one of my students back at Dash from Miami. Um, she was... Wow. Yeah, she was a senior um, the year that I taught there. And I found out about this program and I reached out to her and was like, hey, you know, this is this is your ticket, you know, into the industry and, and into um, the career path that you've been really dreaming about. And yeah. and she made it in and, and left Miami and moved to, moved to Brooklyn. <laughs> That's so cool. Congratulations to those students. That's awesome. So let's say you are accepted. What does the experience look like? Like what's the education experience look like um, after you've kind of gone through that, that uh, initial workshop? Yeah, for sure. So um, it's, it's two years. The first year is all hands-on instruction. Obviously now we've had to go virtual <laughs> due to, uh, yeah. you know, the, the pandemic that's, that we're experiencing right now. So that's been, um, you know, something again for us to overcome, but um you know, I think we're, we're doing a great job of going virtual, but the initial plan was year one would be all hands-on learning. Um, we would be making and sampling products. Um, we're working with, you know, a great partner in Pharrell who sponsored our program for this year. And we're working on product every quarter that we'll take to market. We focus on graphic design, we focus on color and materials. We've focused on footwear, of course, and then also apparel. So we've, we've touched on each one of the um, design disciplines. And, um, you know, at the end of this year, each student will identify, you know, the path in which they want to pursue. And then in year two will be all around internships. So they will be technically out of the program from a day-to-day standpoint, and then would be actually interns within other business units within the brand. And then we'll be looking to bring in, you know, the next cohort of, of six designers to join, join our program. And then, yeah. so at the end of it, what's the plan? The plan at the end is, you know, to move into a full-time design role within the brand. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. That's incredible. That is a dream. 
Absolutely. And then are the students paying for it or how does that, how does that work? They are not. I mean, it's an amazing opportunity. They are, they are interns. So they're, they're paid interns and, um, you know, they're being paid to learn and to create great products. And it, it really flips, you know, <laughs> it flips education on its head where you're constantly kind of putting out and, you know, our designers are, they're putting out a lot, but they're also receiving a lot as well. You know, they're being mentored by industry leaders, you know, they're within, within a brand and they have the support, you know, the full support of a brand and, um, you know, they're, they're being invested in heavily. Yeah. That's, that's such a cool way to look at it and completely different than the existing system. Are there things that you can pick out that are very different from the typical or incumbent education system? that you would say these are the kind of defining differences? For sure. I, I think, you know, just talking about the product and it's sort of what I mentioned before, when you're in college, you may come up with your own project or the project is given to you by a professor who usually is no longer operating in that industry. I think it's rare that you have, you know, a, a design professor who's still practicing in the industry. So there's a bit of a, a disconnect there where our students, our interns, they're learning from professionals who are in the industry, sitting next to them, producing product um, that, that's going off to market. So it closes the gap in terms of knowledge um, transference and it's real time. And um, so, so that's a huge piece. Also, the way in which our, um, our days are structured, we don't teach, you know, like three hour lectures that you would experience in college. We have one hour mm-hmm. meetings and one hour sessions because we're still a business. We're still, you know, a corporation. And so we really teach our, our students and our interns to, you know, assimilate to the corporate structure and how those days are, are structured. So that is mm-hmm. not this huge um, culture shock when they, they move out of the program and move into their jobs. They've already been operating in the environment, they manage their own calendars. You know, they're accepting invites and sending invites. They're writing emails. So they're really operating um, in, you know, the the environment. You know, when we were in our office, they were working side by side next to, you know, professional designers who were producing the product. But, you know, they learned, you know, how to craft emails professionally, how to set up meetings, who do you talk to for what strategy. We really worked with them on, you know, developing their, their professional brand. They designed logos for themselves. They identified their, they identified their mission statement as a professional and what they hope to accomplish um, in their career. Um, they set goals for themselves. You know, they have their 90 day plans that they set goals for themselves. And then we meet incrementally and discuss with them how they're doing, you know, I guess the plans that they set forth for themselves so they're really, you know, they're getting that real life work experience along with the learnings. And we talk to them a lot about leadership. They're developing their, their own leadership styles and communication styles. So it's, it's pretty comprehensive, but it's, it's all built to create a seamless transition into the workplace by being yeah. in the workplace. <laughs> right. <laughs> what better place to do that, right? Exactly. Yeah, it seems very different than the traditional systems. Do you think there's any influence that you hope to create for those traditional college systems? 
Yeah, there's huge opportunities there. Um, I think colleges and you know universities are they're operating on a very old system that that just hasn't changed. And I think that there is a lot that universities and colleges can learn from corporations in the way in the ways in which they're structured, how the days are structured, um, even the plans. And I think there's an opportunity for for colleges and universities to be more prescriptive and cater to their students more versus creating. Um, you know, a path and you're just funneling students through these pre-set paths that may not even work for them. And when you're in a corporation, yes, you know, you have your, you have the goals that the brand is, is, uh, you know, focusing on for that particular year, but there's also a huge investment in the employee, you know, and, and the ways in which they need to grow to be able to go to the next level because people have strengths and weaknesses in different areas and you can't treat them you know, as a whole, it has to be individual, you know, and I think that colleges and universities have an opportunity to really treat each student as an individual, you know, identify, you know, their strengths and weaknesses and where they actually see themselves and want to be or even partner with corporations to put a real plan of success together for, for the students. I think that would be worth the amount of money that you paid to to attend a college or university to have that really like bespoke educational experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that vision for the education systems because just to your point about knowing how to work in a traditional work environment, it's very different than what you experience in college. You know, you're not doing the the same all nighters trying to get work done and the projects are very different, structured different. And just the fact that you're maintaining your own schedule through Outlook, accepting invites, just learning that whole process and getting used to that, I think is a very way to do it. For sure. And then there's a huge team aspect to it as well that just doesn't happen in colleges and universities. You know, here we we work as a team. We have, as, as a designer, you have a marketing counterpart, you have a development counterpart, you have your engineers you have, um, you know, your comms, your communications team who you work with. So, you know, working within like this ecosystem of, of amazing people who have different disciplines and different areas of expertise to work on a holistic um, product that goes to market with, you know, a rollout plan, a marketing plan. It's, it's amazing just to, to be part of a team, you know, and learn how to work as a team. It's really important. And that just doesn't happen you know, in colleges, I think especially in art colleges, because you're, you're just, you're taught to just focus on self. You know, if, if you're, if you're a kind-hearted person, yeah, you want to help, you know, your, your classmates and, and help them develop, but most likely you're not going to actually be working on projects together as right. a team. Yeah. And that's a huge adjustment when you move into a corporation or environment that it's, it's all about teamwork. Um, so, so those are those are the, the key things that I feel like our students are, are really gaining from this experience. So having been at the program for a little while now, what has been biggest learnings? The biggest learning right now for me is just learning how to pivot <laughs> <laughs> where, you know, we had a plan in place and, you know, then, hey, COVID hit, you know, we had to adjust and um, we kept moving and then, you know, there there were a lot of events, you know, happening culturally that really put a spotlight on inequality and um, prejudice. And it, it really stirred all of those things up again and it really reminded us why we created Seed in the first place and why this program needs to be 
implemented and how we can grow. So we, we've had, we faced a lot of obstacles, you know, within our pilot year, but it's the thing that just keeps me going. And then also it's a great reminder that things will pop up and you have to adjust on the fly and, and keep going. And that's, that's one thing I've, I've learned um, thus far. And then I also learned that there are different learning styles and not everyone learns in the same way. And, and again, we have to pivot and adjust um, for different learning styles because I think especially yeah. creatives, you know, um, we're not all the same. We all learn differently and we have a different process and we can't try to herd everyone into the same process, which again, I think mm-hmm. happens at the college level. You know, you're taught to draw the same, you're taught to think the same, you're, there's a process that you have to follow because this is the design process, but that doesn't always work for everyone. And I think, you know, that's been a big learning for me here as well to be able to break free of, you know, the process and the way in which we think, you know, this should go, but um, be open to other ideas, being open to letting our students kind of show the ways in which they like to work and how can we help them grow in the way in which they work the best. So right. that's, that those have been the key learnings thus far. Love that. And then I think this, so the same question I asked to everybody I'm interviewing, but I'm curious where you see the future of design education and specifically around diversity and design education. Well, I think that again, going back to, the events of this year and, um, you know, the social injustices that have happened, the murders that have happened. I think it's really putting a spotlight on, you know, the systemic racism that's existed in this country since, you know, its foundation. And it's never really, um, it's never really recovered or, or really shifted. I mean, I think there's been huge advancements, but at its foundational level, there's still, this system that exists. And I think now a lot more people are are becoming aware and and awakened by the fact that this exists. And I think it's it's putting a spotlight on health. It's putting a spotlight on education. It's putting a spotlight on um, a lot of things that have um, kind of been transpiring. And I think moving forward, I I just feel like there's going to be a lot more people really wanting to see change happen. And I mean, people outside of the black and brown communities, you know, people who are in positions to really help bring about change. I feel like everyone's going to start putting their heads together to solve a lot of the issues that we're, that we're seeing. Um, And it needs to happen at every level. It needs to happen at the preschool level. Advancements need to happen at elementary level. <laughs> you know, right. there there is the the school to prison pipeline that really exists, and I've been doing a lot of research as of late. And you know, uh, preschool students are being suspended, which I had even no idea that that was even a thing. So if you're starting to, to suspend, you know, young black and brown kids that are you know in preschool. How are you, how are they being stigmatized as they move through elementary school, as they move through junior high? And, and this is becoming like an identity thing. You know, there's so much reform that needs to happen at every level, but I think that, you know, a lot of eyes are being opened at at a bigger level. And and I hope to see change, you know, happen sooner than later. But in terms of design education, I think that it's going to be more available 
um, and open to people outside of colleges and universities. You know, um, our program, we hope to grow and we hope to inspire other people to, you know, create programs that, you know, create more access um, to to our field, you know, outside of colleges and universities, because it's just it's becoming unattainable for a lot of people due to cost. Right. It's so expensive, so incredibly expensive now. Exactly. Well, Sharice, I really appreciate you shedding light on what is happening uh, right now in design education and doing something about it and teaching us about seed and even going further back to magnet schools. It's an area that I never knew anything about. Um, so I really appreciate that. And it's been incredible discussing this with you um, absolutely, and learning from you. So I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was great. I'm glad I was able to um, share a little bit about you know, what we're doing within SEED and then also just hopefully open the eyes of parents or, you know, young kids across the world of, of, you know, this career and the fact that art and design, you know, can lead to success. Yeah. And just for anybody who's interested in SEED, how might they find out more and uh, where might they apply? Um, we can be reached at um, SEEDSchoolAdidas.com. And we don't have a website yet, but we've been doing a lot of um, posting about the program on our own social media channels, but there'll be more to come in the future about our program. Awesome. Well, we'll keep an eye out. Any uh, word on what products are launching? Can you talk about that at all? For sure. We actually worked on our first superstar um, that we're going to be taking to market in January. And we created um, two colorways and we actually opened up the voting about two weeks ago to the Adidas uh, Creators Club app. And um, we had tons of engagement. So, um, you know, we're looking forward to launching that product in January next year. That's so exciting. So I can't wait to see it. Very Absolutely. Cool. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharice. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, guys. It was so good to talk to Sharice today. Again, if you're interested in learning more about the SEED program at Adidas, you can email them at seedschool at adidas.com. See you next time.